I'm talking about the offer of life. And in John 10 we read, I have come that I may have life and have it put to the full. And you can also read, I am the bread of life, which is in John 6. You have made known to me the path of life, which you read in Psalm 16. Come to me to have life, which is in John 5. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So where is this life? God clearly intends us to have a good life and he's promised us eternal life. But, and Jesus came to die for us so that we can go to heaven, a life being with him, praising and worshipping God for eternity. But does that mean after we've died? Or actually is he saying that it's now, from now onwards, and that eternity is from now onwards, not at a later date? So we've got a lot of meantime, really, and I think some people have got long meantime and some less in between now and the time we die. Um, but he wants us in that meantime to have a close relationship with us. Come to me and have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. Well, I think sometimes we all feel we're shortchanged on that. And life is far from easy. It's a difficult time. Is this anything like the life that God was asking for, that was looking for us for? Jesus talks about life being available to us at the present and not just in the future. Eternity is never-ending. It's not a situation that becomes a case sometime in the later date. Life is for now. So what's the problem? The passage I read earlier from John, right at the beginning, is not really complete. Just Jesus had put some words before it, for it. So if I read the whole verse, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they should have life and life to the full. I think it's no accident that Jesus put both these things together. And firstly, he said, the thief coming to steal, kill and destroy. And then he's coming to give us life to the full. Before Jesus is offering us life to the full, he is clearly warning us that the thief will try and kill, steal and destroy it. He's telling us that we've got to fight for it. There is a battle that's raging for our hearts. And our hearts are our central part of our being. We are told this of this battle in Ephesians 6 in verses that we all know, I'll read again. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is what we're up against. There is a battle raging for our hearts. There's something that's set against us, and against our ability to love to live life as a full to the full that Jesus wanted. Like it or not, we're at war. And this war will continue until Jesus returns. At least as far as we're concerned, when we're physically on the cell, earth. 
We are at war and we've been born into a world at war. The great battle between the forces of heaven and hell are being played out amongst us here on earth. It's a war that's raging all about us. And we know there's a formidable enemy that hates God and all of his children. A formidable enemy that is constantly feeding us lies and whose ultimate plan is just to keep us away from God the Father who actually really wants nothing more than us to come back home and live a life that he wants for us. It is not therefore very surprising that we meet difficulties, problems and sadness that mar our ability to live life to the full. We may be born again spiritually, which many of us are, but we still have still live in fallen bodies, made of flesh. The enemy makes sometimes made us deaf and blind to the Lord. And this is something we've all got to face and confront with courage. Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans. And I think this is amazing. You think this man had such an effect on the early church. But he wrote this, and I'm going to read it from the message, which I think puts it very, very well. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. But I don't understand about my wife. <laughs> Sorry. I don't understand about myself that, it is that I decide one way but then act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to work out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realise that I don't have what it takes, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to be not to do be bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it is pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me can covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? This is a battle for your heart, for our hearts, our whole central being, for which to win we have to be intimately more and much closer to God and to love him, to show great strength and your courage. I was thinking about this when I wrote this, or I say wrote, God gave me these words, 
but what do I love doing? And I was thinking, what in fact do I love? I live by the sea at Hastings and I just love the sea. I love going to watch it. I, I see it all times of the year. Uh, I love it in the winter when there's the strong waves. In the summer I look at the lovely colours of the sea. It's, it's marvellous and I love history. I always have done. <laughs> I love on television watching these old films of Edwardian times and, and the occasionally thing of Victorian times you think, wow, they're all dead and we're looking at a new world. In fact, a completely different world from us. And I find that great. I love art history. The V&A is another place I love, absolutely. I can walk into the V&A museum and stand in the foyer and I think, wow, this is absolutely marvellous. I've made jewellery all my life as a sort of hobby. I love doing that. I love the countryside and much younger, when I was much younger, and then got troubles with my knees, and I, <laughs> I used to do mountaineering, and I used to love the mountains. I love my wife and my family. All these loves, I know, are loves that are actually deep down inside. They're right inside me, from my top to, top to my toe. They're actually in my heart. And it wouldn't be possible to feel this love, or this level of love, and pleasure if it was not for the heart, which is the centre of our beings. We all know that if we were able to feel this level of love all the time and be loved to this level all the time, we would be very happy. Well, the good news is, of course, God loves us much, much, much more than that. We couldn't even put a possible measure on it. But, I have to ask myself, and I'm sure all of us would do it, how much do I love God in my heart? How does God fare against the other things that I love or we love? How much do I really love God in my heart when we sing songs in church? God, I love you. Is it something that I can fully understand? How real is that love in my heart? It's difficult for all, any of us to say we love because we can't see God. But we've got to look and say, well, how much do we love him if we sing, I love you? The Bible has so many verses that relate to the heart that we must acknowledge that it is a particularly important part of our makeup. It's the absolute centre of our whole being. And I was looking for sort of mentions of the heart and I just picked a random few. I mean, there are so many. I seek you with all my heart. Sort your face with all my heart. I call with all my heart. Answer me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Call on the Lord with a pure heart. Make music in your heart to the Lord. And, the verse which we all know, in Mark 12, verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if you notice in that, the word 
part is the first one. Now we come to the question that can be addressed to all of us. What portion of our heart is God in? What part of our heart is that deep intimacy with God in our hearts? What do all of us do with our lives? Do we love God as he wants, with all our hearts, souls, minds and strength? Are we living our lives as a beacon for our faith? Or are we just going through the motions, outwardly doing Christian things and being content with that? Thinking that it's, that all is required and we are okay. Not doing anything particularly wrong. So we're going to be alright. This, I'm afraid, is absolutely not the case. The verse that really brings us sharply is the one in Matt 7, which reads, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This is really little, little to do with the activity. The Holy Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, will move us into action in these areas if we listen to his quiet prompting. Jesus is not saying that he had never met these people or didn't know who they were. He is saying, though, that he never knew them in the way that made them part of the true family of God. The whole point is our intimacy with God. Our intimacy within our heart. And this is our strongest battleground. Look into our hearts. Is God there? Do we love him more than all the other things we love? Many of us, I know, have experienced the excitement when we first asked Jesus into our lives. Doesn't happen to everyone, but there are a lot that do. And that fire we get in our hearts that the Holy Spirit brings. How everything around looks wonderful. And you can't wait till next Sunday to go back to church. And you've sung a song on that, sun, that first Sunday that spun round your head all week. It's wonderful. But unfortunately, not all of us experience this fire in our hearts. And it doesn't last forever. However, the Holy Spirit is, is in us to help us and he will help us see more joy in, in our life circumstances. But we also know that, that God is there for, all for us all the time. He's by our side all the time. I love to think that he's sort of standing next to me or sitting next to me when I'm in the car. I think it's great. He loves us all the time in that element of love that we can't even imagine. He also knows the battle we're in. He wants us to be courageous. He wants us to love him with all, all our hearts. This is exactly what he's asking for. He will help us then in our battles in this arena of war. He wants us to live a life that is full. And we cannot live life here that God meant us to live unless we love him 
with all our hearts. There's absolutely no middle ground. We have to love him with all our hearts and we have to be courageous in our daily lives. And we read of courageous living in Ephesians. Remember, he identified you as his own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Love God from your heart. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you that you have said that if we come to you, we will have life. And you have given us such hope and excitement for a future with you. Lord, we are sorry when we do not love you with all our hearts or do things that are displeasing to you. By your Holy Spirit, we pray that our hearts will be refired up to fill our hearts with love for you. We long to take up fully this promised closer life with you whilst we are here as a joyous prelude to the eternal life we look forward to. In Jesus' name, Amen.